created live on Fireside. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm Lori Lee Binstock, and this is a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Thank you so much for joining me live on Fireside Chat, where you can be a part of the conversation as my virtual audience. I am your host, Lori Lee Binstock, and everyone here has the opportunity to ask me or my guests here today questions. So please request to hop on stage, and I'll try to get you on. Today's guest is my good friend, Ashley Bernardi. Ashley is an award-winning podcaster, CEO, author, publicist, speaker, and founder of Nardi Media. She has a deep interest in health and wellness and earned a Certificate in the Science of Well-Being from Yale University. She is a regularly featured expert in the media, including the Emmy award-winning series, The Mother Side, airing on ABC in Washington, D.C., and she is author of the highly acclaimed new book, Authentic Power, Give Yourself Permission to Feel. Ashley, thank you so much for joining me live on Fireside. Hi, Lori Lee. It's so wonderful to be here. I love that there's this awesome community where we can have conversations like this. I know. It is a very cool platform to be a part of. So, And you know what? You should be, you actually should be a creator. I think you would have a great following and you have a lot of great information to share just honestly in your book um if you if you follow my podcast you may remember her um just on prior to her book release which was just released december but now we have a live episode on fireside so i did want to get her on we can really discuss the book and why it's so critical in 2022 yeah, it really, it fe- it's like, it feels now more than ever that this book is so needed. So, I mean, who knew two years into a pandemic? It's it's kind of crazy. It is so necessary. You, yeah. you you wrote this book, find your Finding Your Authentic Power During COVID, which has many people reeling. You know, we're seeing drastic increases in suicides and mental health mm-hmm, disorders, mm-hmm. you know, that were just is exasperated by isolation, job yeah. loss, grief, just so much more. And, you know, I, I'm even feeling it. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. I, I, I had a meeting with you yesterday to chat about some other things. And, yep. um, you know, it's I think fluidity is the answer because right now my son is home. And actually, just before we started the show, he was crying and I was like oh my gosh I hope my husband's getting him because he is also busy and it's like it's it's really mm-hmm. hard to manage this um why like first of all I want you to talk about why in the middle of COVID you decided to write this book yeah I think that's it, important uh, yeah it, it's gosh and Lori Lee I so feel for you with the, the kids at home just I have I have one that just got out of quarantine you know it's just it is the struggle is real <laughs> Um, but what I'll say, so for me writing this book, um, I actually had this aha moment in March of 2020 and when the world was shutting down, when we were so confused, when the kids got home from school, like, I mean, when the kids were told that they couldn't go back to school, it it was so scary. I mean, we all like, what, like everyone should like think about those feelings that came up. Like for me, it was confusion. Um, I was scared. I was angry. I was grieving. I had already very early on in the pandemic, I lost a friend to COVID. And mm. I was also grieving for my children's lack of education because suddenly there was no school. And I felt 
a lot of familiar feelings start bubbling up that I have faced before. And in the past, I used to squash those uncomfortable feelings back down inside me, Um, starting with when I was a child faced with childhood trauma through my teens and 20s and early 30s. Like anything that was uncomfortable to feel, I didn't give myself permission to feel it. It was like a couple things. I didn't have time for it. It was Mm -hmm. too uncomfortable to feel. I felt like I was strong. I always wore this mask of strength. But this time, this time, Lori Lee, it was different. I was like, okay, I feel these feelings. I've been here before. I know what to do now. And so I started allowing myself to feel and process all the grief, all the anger, all the sadness, all the confusion. But then also, of course, the little moments of joy of having the children home, you know, more and getting to spend more quality time with them. I let myself feel all those feelings. And then I started journaling about it. And then I said, you know what? I... And this came in like a very deep meditation that I was doing with one of my own life coaches that I felt it would be helpful and and serve the world if I shared my story of giving myself permission to feel and accessing my own authentic power and how I healed my life doing that. So that is for this book. Now, here we are two years later, it's still relevant. And I'll tell you, publishers were like, I don't want a pandemic book. Weren't the <laughs> pandemic's going to be over in two years. Well, guess what? They were wrong. <laughs> we were yeah. all wrong. And it's, it's actually, you know, in many ways worse than it was two years ago. Oh, yeah. And my hope is that my book, Authentic Power, Give Yourself Permission to Feel, allows a reader will see that they have access to their own divine wisdom that we all have within us. And when we do access that, and when we are kind and gentle with ourselves and give ourselves permission to feel, therein lies healing and transformation. And I say this with gentle love and care because I almost died from not giving myself permission to feel my feelings. And I'm sure we can get into that. Mm -hmm. But um, my hope is that as we go through this collective trauma together, that um, everyone, you know, I'm inviting people to just give themselves permission to feel all the feelings, no matter what they may be, because that's where um, true healing and transfer transformation happens. Right. You know, I, I talk a lot about fluidity and, you know, I'm like, okay, 2022, I am going to be able to move like water because things are going to happen and I'm going to have <laughs> to pivot and I'm going to handle it. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I found myself, okay, my kids will be home. You know, there are going to be school closures. They're going to be quarantined, you know, but I wasn't prepared for past triggers. I wasn't mm. prepared. You know, I have healed trauma. I'm mm-hmm. not necessarily healed, but I'm working on it, right? The uh, childhood sexual abuse, you know, abandonment yep. issues. But you know what? I, I went into therapy like two days ago and I realized that there was so there was there was another big trauma that I experienced, and it actually had me just down at a wrong time, the wrong time while I had my, my, my son home, you know, it was my husband's birthday. And I was like, I am a mess. Like I was mm-hmm. just, oh, and my son just broke his teeth like last week. Mm-hmm. It was just like, there was just way too much. And in snow days, it's like, it, it was like, it was like, I was like, hey, 2022, bring it on. And then all of a sudden it was <laughs> like, it just dumped all of this stuff. But I feel like it was the triggers from my past that came back that I just was not prepared for. And you've had your own own trauma that you've held in for a while, which you talk mm-hmm. about in the book about the loss of your dad when you were, how old were you? I was 11 years old when he passed away. Um, and I mean, I'm happy to, to tell that story of, yes, of what please. happened. 
Um, and I'll say this because Lori Lee, and you know how hard it is when you're when you're first finding your voice and um, discovering your authentic power that you can allow yourself to feel this trauma in order to heal. I did not talk about my father's death for 25 years. Mm -hmm. So I can, I can openly talk about it now because I've processed so much of it and I'm in such a, um, a more loving, healing, gentle place. But I even say in my book that when I had to write the experience of losing my father, it was so triggering for me. I just completely shut down. I had called my husband. I made him come home from work. Um, mm. So I just want to say, like, I acknowledge how hard it is when you have those triggers. And and, and they're very unpredictable in many ways. Um, right. and, and it's just so important to go easy and gentle on yourself when that happens, even though there's, like, so many responsibilities, so many things to do. you got to put yourself first. It's like they really – it's true. Put your oxygen mask on first. If that trigger came up for you, allow mm -hmm. yourself some grace and space to move through that. So with what happened in, in, with me and my story is that, you know, I grew up in a military family, very proud military family. I was born in Schweinfurt, Germany. We lived in California, uh, ended up in DC where my dad was at the Pentagon and Fort Belvoir. And um, we had a lovely life, like, you know, me and my mom and my dad and my little sister, um, who was two years younger than me. And there was a Sunday night where we had all gone to church that day. And my parents were devout Catholics. And uh, we watched a family movie that night. And my dad was um, tired that night. I remember him just like kind of being tired. And um, we ended up all going upstairs to get ready for bed. And dad went, it's like, I'm going to go to bed. And so I said, okay, dad, I'm going to tuck you in. So that night I talked him in and gave him a kiss good night. And I said, I love you, dad. And he said, I love you too, honey. And those were the last two words we ever said to each other. Um, mm. Just moments later, um, he started, I was in my bedroom and my mom was tucking me in at that point and he started moaning from my parents' bedroom and my mom ran in and I just heard her scream his name, Jimmy, 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 over and over and over again. And um, at that point, you know, I had run, I knew that there was an emergency. So I ran to call 911 um, and, you know, being 11 years old, like my fingers like shaking and fumbling over the phone. And I remember the first time I tried to dial it. I, I couldn't get through. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to dial it again because a new time was of the essence. And so then I hung up the phone and um, ran out to get the neighbors. And at that point, I didn't know it at that point, but I learned later that my mom and my nine-year-old sister had started tag teaming CPR on my dad, my nine-year-old sister. Mm. Um, and I had ran to get the neighbors. And then after that, I mean, truly there was a moment where I blacked out and I, I really don't remember what happened. What I like, I remember pockets and I'm sure like for anyone that's experienced trauma, you can relate to this in mm -hmm. that, uh, it's, it's really like you black out. Like it's like your body just stops your memory from happening. And the pockets that I remember were being shuttled to the neighbors, being put in a car, my mom going in an ambulance with my dad, being assured, reassured that my dad was going to be okay. Like, okay, like I'm going to be fine everything's fine. Like, you know, kind of thinking like, Oh God, I'm going to have quite the story to tell my friends in school tomorrow. Right. Mm. And then we get to, um, we get to a hospital and it wasn't our main hospital, which I thought was interesting. Um, it was a, it was a hospital that was a little bit further away. I'm not I, like, I, I still don't understand why that happened. Um, but I remember being brought to a beautiful peaceful, calm room. And I was like, Oh, good. I can't wait to see dad. And my sister was there. And then some other relatives started showing up because thankfully we live, um, you know, I'm in the DC region and 
my mom had family here and my dad's side also had family here. We had his sister and brother here. So family and extended family started showing up and we were like, oh, hey, family. And it almost felt like a reunion. And then my mom walked in with my aunt, my dad's sister, and just looked at my sister and I and was like, your dad went to heaven. And that was not what I was expecting to hear at all. I just went into complete shock. My body just crumbled. I just, I'll never forget that, that night. And then just waking up the next morning um, in the middle, I, I had slept in bed with my, my, my mom on one side and my uncle on the other and my sister and, and I in the middle and just waking up without a father. And it was like that moment where I was like, I don't want to address this. I, it was way too hard for me to just acknowledge and address. And also at the same time, my father being in the military, Army Colonel, decorated war veteran, Silver Star, Vietnam War veteran, I have been told my whole life that I am so strong. You are an, you are an Army Colonel's daughter. You are bared. You're strong. And so I felt very early on in my grieving days that I needed to be strong for my mom, for my sister, for my family. So I wore a mask of strength and I was an Oscar worthy actress from (laughs) then on out. Um, And of course, as you know, when you bury trauma, it comes out in other ways. And for me, (laughs) it came out in acting out in school I'll never forget seventh grade. I think I failed almost all of my classes. I was shuttled between different Catholic schools before I ended up in a private uh, public school. Um, But then when I got to the public school, socially, I got better, but also I turned into a people pleaser. I had complete Mm -hmm. lack of boundaries, zero self-esteem. And, you know, on the outside, I looked fine. Like you looked at me in high school and even in college, I was a leader. I was secretary of my class. I was in college. I was an editor of the school newspaper. I was president of my sorority. It's like, Oh, Ashley looks fine on paper. On the inside, I was dying. I had become, um, I, I had very destructive relationships in my dating life. Um, like abusive relationships. Um, also, you know, a destructive relationship with alcohol, a very destructive relationship with work, a work addiction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, after, you know, high school and college, just burying my feelings and just running on, on fumes and steams and not taking care of myself and sleeping four hours a night. I, I was a journalist at CBS News in New York City, and, and that was my job. I, that was my life. And like I said, destructive relationship with with work. And, um, it wasn't until like, I wore this mask of strength and I know you can relate to this too, Lori Lee, cause it was after you became a mom too, that you had your, your moment of insight, um, and moment of clarity that mm-hmm. I, um, I was in I had two children at this point. I was happily, I'm happily married, still am. And, uh, forget I like one day suddenly I was like eating dinner with my relatives and I felt like I was going to throw up and I was like okay I'm gonna go to the bathroom and throw up I got another stomach bug from the kids here we go (laughs) and the stomach bug didn't go away and it lasted for months and it was like I woke up and had the flu every single day I lost I started losing weight but then I found out I was pregnant so that's what I was about to ask (laughs) yeah I found out I was pregnant 
suddenly all the symptoms went away. It was like my immune, and this happens in pregnancy, your immune system does go quiet. And I was like, oh, whatever, what a fluke. Finally, you know, and I'd seen doctors at that point and they were like, oh, you just had a stomach bug that's taking you a while to recover from. And then, you know, getting written off by doctors here and there. And Mm -hmm. finally I, um, I had a, you know, healthy pregnancy. And then the day I delivered my third baby, my sweet little baby Scarlett, all of those symptoms came back and they came back so strong. And I'll, and like, just to give you an example in the hospital, my blood pressure dropped to dangerous levels. It was like 80 over 50 and it kept going lower. And they were talking about possible blood transfusions and, um, which didn't end up happening, but I was vomiting. I was, um, I was dizzy and had a fever and got sent home like that. Um, oh, and- really? They didn't say, yeah. oh, we need it. We need to handle this. <laughs> like, like, oh, okay. Here's your baby. Oh, you're fine. Now your blood work seems to be normal. Good luck. I continued to drastically deteriorate. Um, my, I, I lost vision. I had vertigo. I had flashing lights in my vision. My body was in extreme pain daily, like nerve pain up and down. I, um, parts of my body went numb. My face went numb. Um, I mean, every single classic symptom in the book of what I had thought I had, but was told over and over again. So after I've started seeing a lot of different doctors with a little baby too, um, I was going to the ER, I was having panic attacks. Oh, you're just anxious. Oh, you're just a mom with three kids. You're overwhelmed. Like, I can't tell you how many times I was told this. Um, and then I, I then I was, di- I went, my sister sent me to a part-time, like I guess it's called IPAC. It's essentially like an ER for your brain and for your mental health. And I was diagnosed with severe postpartum depression there, which I was grateful to have some sort of diagnosis, even though it wasn't the physical diagnosis. And, um, and then I was put in a part-time uh, hospitalization program uh, in, a, in a mental health facility, which means that for eight, I, was, I did not spend the night there, but I would go there every day for eight hours a day for weeks just to learn coping tools and to get my medications adjusted and everything with the postpartum depression. So that was great. You know, I'm getting <laughs> the mental health side of me addressed, but then there was the physical side of me that was still sick every single day. Like I can't even tell you how hard it was to pull myself out of bed because I was so sick. I wanted to vomit every day. I was so tired. I was dizzy and like pull myself to these, to these, um, the hospital program, but mm-hmm. I did. And I kept seeing doctors. I kept getting told, you know, written off by doctors, also misdiagnosed, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, da 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 da, you name it, you got it. And then, you know, I, I remember one like hospital, another hospital visit where I was visiting a doctor's office. I was about to get examined by the doctor. And um, they, I remember I like just collapsed. I was like, I'm going to faint. I told the doctor and I was with my mom at that point. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to faint. And I started blacking out. And then I started hysterically crying because I couldn't see anything. The room was spinning and they like gave me IV vitamins. Nothing was happening. I lost control of my bowels. Like this is the most embarrassing thing to admit, but I just want to paint the picture of how sick I actually was. Um, I was literally peeing out of a bucket and could not stop myself. And so at that point, the doctor's office was like, we got to get her to the ER. They had called an ambulance, got me to the ER. My husband showed up and my mom told me, she's like, I thought you were going to die that day. And Mm. I I, I thought I was going to die that day too. And of course, you know, the ER has nothing to, they, 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 you know, like take all my blood work. You're fine. 
you know, oh. give me some painkillers, send me home. And at that point I was so sick and my husband was so scared that he had removed the kids from our house and taken them to his parents' house because we did not want the kids to see me like this. So I'll never forget the next day I woke up, I was all alone and I tried to get up and I just collapsed on the floor. And at that point I surrendered and I was like, okay, God, you can take me now because I'm ready to go. This is enough pain or like show me the way to heal. And that is like one of the first times I opened up in my spirit. That is the first time in my healing journey that I surrendered to all of my pain, my physical pain, my emotional pain, all of my trauma. And I was like, not my hands anymore, but I also surrendered to give myself permission to feel it. And that's when my spiritual healing started happening. So from there, um, you know, a couple weeks later, I found a doctor. This was like, but my mother-in-law begging me, try one more doctor. And I was like, whatever, I'll entertain this for you. <laughs> At that point, it was like just a joke for me to go to doctors. And I'll never forget, my husband came with me and I, and I sat with her and I was like, these are all my symptoms. She let me talk for 45 minutes. When I was done, she looked at me and she was like, you have Lyme disease. And I was like, I freaking know I have Lyme disease. I've been trying to tell everybody else this for months. That's crazy like, that no one would have, no one tested you though, even though you knew. I told people, I was a journalist. You were both former journalists, Lori Lee. I done, had done so much research at that point. I had like 300 pages of, of like blood tests and paperwork and symptoms and da 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 da. And they did not entertain my idea because I was not a doctor. So when this doctor validated what I had been thinking the entire time, I felt so much relief, the relief, I felt so much hope. And she said, we're going to treat you with antibiotics, but you're so far gone that if these antibiotics work, we're going to have to get an IV pick line. Well, sure enough, the antibiotics worked very, very slowly. I had a pick line installed into my heart, which is essentially like a port. So if you know anyone who's had cancer, it's, um, it's an IV that goes from your veins all the way into your heart. And my, my husband became my nurse and administered IV antibiotics every day for eight weeks. We moved in with my in-laws and um, had a home nurse come every week to change my dressing. And I had, remember, I had three kids at that, that point. And yeah, the baby, I don't know. And, <laughs> I don't know yeah, how you did that. And, and a, your own business at this point, I remember, because I was working and, for you. Um, <laughs> I mean, that I like literally had to just surrender to help at that point, which I had never done in my life, ironically. Um, I wasn't even allowed to lift my baby because of the pick line. So we moved in with them and, you know, healing was the slowest, most excruciating process. It was like two steps forward, eight steps back. But during that time, I got into allowing myself to feel and I got into journaling and I got into allowing myself to process the trauma. And while I was healing, I was also feeling the grief from my dad's death. And instead of pushing it back down this time, I would cry. I would sob. I would scream. I would pray. I would journal and I would let it all come out and then feel a little bit better. And then I would mm -hmm. feel a little bit better. And so for me, this was so much more than a physical healing journey. This was a spiritual healing journey, first and foremost. I always say, and in my book, I say that like the physical healing, 20% of what needed to happen. The rest was the rest was 80%, which was spiritual, which was giving myself permission to feel because I believe now that the trauma was stored in my body and that Lyme disease triggered the trauma and I had nowhere else to put it. So my body just got sick. So mm -hmm. 
anyways, that's my story. <laughs> Long, yeah. Sorry, that went longer than I thought. It no, would. no. I mean, that is your story. And to, and to anyone listening, I knew you at this point. I was actually working for you mm-hmm. around this time. And I had no clue. So you did wear that mask well to the point where I was, I would even tell my friends like, oh my gosh, I'm working for this amazing person. Like she's like superwoman. No clue. You did not even share that you were dealing with any of it, even the postpartum nope. de- depression. Nope. And, and I can't imagine what that feels like. And I, you know, and I guess that's kind of how my friends probably saw me before I went into treatment. Cause I feel like maybe, I mean, I remember telling you like, Ashley, I can't, I can't do, I actually have to give up my client right now. Cause I can't yeah. do it. And yeah. I don't know what your, what your response was. I don't even remember. I mean, it was very like, of course, anything. Um, but I don't even know if you were surprised or maybe you were, but it was just, it was rough. It's rough it, hiding it. It is so hard to hide it. And I think you bring up a good point. And this is a, is a chapter in my book. Um, it's about, I call it, um, I think the chapter is called Connecting for Healing. And you're right, Lori Lee. I didn't share what was going on with anyone because I felt like I needed to wear that mask still. But then mm-hmm. I started journaling. And once I started praying, I felt to start talking about what was going on with me with a few people. And it started with, of course, my family already knew. But then it started with a couple of my girlfriends from high school who I remain close to to this day. And I and I was just like, guys, this is what's going on with me. I just want you to know this. And I was met with so much love and compassion. Um, and, and I felt for the first time ever that I don't need to hold all my shit together Mm-mm. for the world. And from there, I felt called to share what was going on in my spiritual commun- community. And and then it was kind of a domino effect that I started meeting more people who had been on journeys like mine. And I felt so much healing when I was actually sharing and connecting with people on my story. And you know what I love about it is that it made me me more authentically me i was finally not wearing my mask anymore and now with this book i'm finally not wearing my mask anymore and i feel so powerful in my own skin and that's what i want everyone to feel by tapping into their own authentic power getting vulnerable and giving themselves permission to feel right i think it's it's feeling it and you in your book talk about so many different ways to feel. And so I wanted you to, I know one of them that I really liked was just breaking things. Like <laughs> dishes. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know where <laughs> I can do that because like if I did it in the backyard, like my kids could step on it. I'm just trying to think like, where can I just smash things? Cause that would be amazing. And what so I, I actually smash? heard they're starting to create places where you can go and smash things. You know what? I and did hear that. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't, I know we should, I haven't looked them up, but I, I've, I've heard it like kind of through the grapevine that there are those places where you can go in and like with a bat and just start smashing TVs and like old T, you know, those box TVs, like junkyard stuff, which that, that would be so therapeutic. So yes, and so in my book, I interviewed over 20 incredible healing experts, ranging from ER physicians to psychiatrists, 
to psychologists, to energy healers, to, um, to my own life coaches and more. And um, one of the doctors that I spoke with was Dr. Jamie Hope. And she is an ER physician in Detroit at one of the busiest um, level one trauma centers in the country. And when I was speaking to her for the book, we started talking about how we, ex we, we are human beings, right? Not humans. And back in the cavemen days, we like, what did cavemen do when they got angry? They would throw things, throw rocks, like hit their chest. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we, it's so important that we learn to embrace these emotions in a safe way. So Jamie taught me how to get primal with our meltdowns. Like, what do you do when you're like, find yourself literally shaking and you have like the primal urge to do something that feels destructive. She says that like stress is a natural reaction to a threat and our ancestors, which serve this purpose, they would like run from a saber tooth tiger as an example. Mm -hmm. So it's like the fight or flight, fight, flight or fight hormone that's protected our ancestors. And it's that same stress hormone that today that can be destructive to our emotional health if we're not allowing ourselves permission to move through it. And so taught me about stressing hard and stressing soft. And so when you brought up the throwing the dishes, that's something that a way that we can stress, stress hard and release those, um, the, those stressors in a physical way by doing dish therapy. So Dr. Hope says, get a trash can, get some old dishes, put some goggles on, alert your neighbors or your loved ones, what you're doing and throw these dishes into a trash can. And she's like, it is the most satisfying thing I've ever done. And full <laughs> disclaimer, I haven't done it yet, but I have a stack of dishes in my office waiting to be tossed. And I can't <laughs> wait to do it. Like maybe this weekend's a great time to do it. But also yeah. you can do things like hit a pillow, throw a pillow like against the wall. And there's also things like damn it dolls. You can get those on Amazon. It's a doll that you just like whack um, against your like bed or pillow. So like How big is this doll? That energy out. Is this a full size doll? <laughs> like human size? This is, this, <laughs> no, it's not a human size doll. It's a doll that you can hold. But I'm also mm -hmm. going to say something else. I did like for me to stress hard last week, I did kickboxing. I can't tell you how good it felt to punch air for an hour. It oh, felt yeah. so good. And so that's a couple examples of how you can stress hard. Now stress soft. And this is like, maybe it's breathing, maybe it's meditation, right? Maybe it's just um, calling a friend or journaling, but there's different ways that we can stress hard and stress soft. And so for me, like and in my book, in my book, Authentic Power, I have journaling exercises. And one of my journaling exercises um, in a chapter is like, come up with your own stress releasing toolkit for the next time the universe throws you a curveball and have a hard um, stress toolkit and a soft stress toolkit. So when you find yourself in these fight or flight situations, which for me, um, and, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Lori Lee, working in the news, it was like fight or flight every single day. Right. But also, and I feel like that was trauma in, in and of itself. <laughs> in and of itself is fight or flight every day because you have that anticipatory trauma after you experience the trauma. Like, is it going to happen again? So my body has so much of that cortisol and, and, um, and stress loaded up in me, but now I get it out in safe ways. And, and I'll even say, even the act of screaming, if any of you have like just sat in your adult life and allowed yourself to scream, it is the most satisfying 
healing thing you will do all week. Give yourself an opportunity to do that. So yeah. that's just one example of, you know, just have a hard stress toolkit and a soft stress toolkit. Have those at the ready for those days when the universe does throw you a curveball. A hundred percent. I did actually, I did scream out loud multiple times this week. That's how, that's how Good crazy job. this week has been. But yes, I do feel a, a whole lot better. I do. I mean, I, I still feel like, nah, you know, I could use an extra therapy session um, or not because maybe more trauma will come up that I really don't want to think about. But yep. um, it's, it's just not a just not a great time when you have kids at home. So, yeah, I feel like I feel like there's a lot that we can do to release the release the stress because you know it's just going to pile on and like you like with you it's an auto, it can show up as an autoimmune disease and i think most mm -hmm. autoimmune disease come up because of trauma just this energy that's stuck in our body that we have not released um because it's it's so dangerous for your body it just is it is it really is and and you know what Lori Lee, like we're not taught that we weren't, or at least I wasn't taught mm -hmm. that by I, our parents. I was not. No, no fault to them. We're not, and, and I talk about this a lot in my book too. We're not taught this by society or our culture. Our culture, we're expected to wear that mask of strength, to mm -hmm. show up as our perfect selves on social media. And when, and I even say like the question, how are you? is kind of an empty question because we are always going to respond, oh, I'm fine. How are you? When really, like, it's not true. And so I, I even in my book, I, I like, instead of saying, like, how are you to a friend, ask your friend, how is your heart doing today? Like, like, like that, just allow more openness and vulnerability and authenticity in conversations, because our culture has not taught us how to do that. It's actually done the exact opposite which is, I think, one of the reasons why our culture and society is where we are today with, mm -hmm. you know, suicides, mental health issues, um, you know, just collective trauma that we're all experiencing. There's no school or lessons to teach us that it's okay to feel these feelings. It's like, unless you go to therapy or learn it on your own, which is what you and I have done, right? that's you. how you learn. And um, I, I just, you know, my, my hope is that we find a better way. And that's why I was inspired to write this book because there is a better way. I just don't want people to end up almost dead, like how I was to get there. Well, I do love the book and I appreciate that you wrote it. I think it's helpful and and what people, if you haven't gotten the book, it is part memoir, part self-help with the numerous healers that you interviewed. And then it's also a journal. And you can, there's areas where you can take notes and actually it's something that you can use. It's like, a, it's like your own workbook to help you whenever you need it. Um, so I'm, I'm really appreciate that. Thank you. It means so much to me to hear you say that because this is exactly what I wanted it to do. And I also like in the journaling aspect, I just, I wanted to make it as um, interactive as possible because journaling in my healing journey was so powerful for me. Um, I learned, you know, so much about manifestation and law of attraction and positive affirmations and also sacred writing. And so that it was very important for me to include these spaces for someone to write their own words uh, on paper and use that as a healing technique as well. 
Absolutely. Is there anything, any, any parting words before we go? You know, I, yes, I will say this. Anyone that is experiencing trauma, grief, or maybe you're like, I've got all these uncomfortable emotions in me. I don't want to feel them. I, I invite you to perhaps give yourself permission to feel them. And if it feels still scary, then tell yourself that this is temporary. Like these emotions are not going to last forever. Sure. They come and go as mm-hmm. waves. That's what grief does. That's what tr- sometimes trauma has done for me. But I always remind myself that this is temporary. If I'm going to allow myself to move through a uh, uncomfortable emotion in this moment, it is certainly not going to last forever. This is temporary. And in my book, I, I have something that I call the feel framework, which is um, a technique that I use to give yourself permission to feel. So I would off, uh, also say, I encourage you to check out the feel framework too. But one positive affirmation that has worked for me um, over the years in my healing journey is that this is temporary, this moment in temporary. And even for you, Lori Lee, like you're having a tough week and I'm feeling for you for that. And my heart is with you, but to remind yourself, this is temporary. This is temporary. It's not going to, these moments aren't going to last forever. Well, thank you for that. I do believe we may have someone who may want to step up on stage. Um, Laura Bernard. Hey guys, I don't want to disrupt the the flow, just here for support, like the topic, and just here to listen, learn, and support in any way I can. I hope you have a better day and a great fourth week of January, and 22 is a healing one for you. Thank you so much, Laura. I really do appreciate you stepping up and and, and the support. It is a great topic. I think we don't talk mm-hmm. about healing trauma enough. Yeah, it's so true. I I love the support. And and Laura, like I I acknowledge you for stepping up too, because I think community and connection is so powerful. And like when you hear from other voices, it just makes you feel less alone. So thank you so much for for joining us. You bet. I'm a fellow PTSD. Well, I don't know if you guys are PTSD survivors. I don't want to assume that, but I'm a fellow PTSD survivor, uh, numerous situations, but, uh, you know, we're all strong and resilient and it helps, it helps us evolve to be who we were meant to be and where we were meant to be, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So it takes time to kind of get to that. Uh, and then it helps smooth and ease the next traumas because everybody has them. So it's just a, no, it's just a magnitude level and magnitude as to what you can handle too. So you know, one person's massive magnitude, magnitude might be, or trauma, maybe somebody else easy for somebody. So I always say like, you know, when my little kid broke her fingernail before the prom, that was traumatic to her, right? And she didn't really, but, and you need to support her. And then when people have massive traumas, you need to be there for them too and meet them where they're at, but happy mm-hmm. to meet you guys. Oh, thank you. Yes, I, I, you're so right there. And I think this is something that Ashley and I have talked about, too, is the problem with people comparing their traumas. Not one mm. trauma is like bigger than someone else's trauma. Like that's relative to you and we should honor that and we should respect that. And so I appreciate you bringing that up, Laura. All right, Ashley, anything else that you would like to add before we go? 
Oh, thank you. I just want to say thank you so much for this opportunity to have this conversation. And I, I just love and adore you so much, Lori Lee. The work you're doing is, is helping heal the world. And I'm just so grateful for you and for this platform to give us a, a, safe, uh, a safe space to have these vulnerable and open and healing conversations. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I, I am so glad that I, I'm, I'm like, my heart is just bursting for because Laura stepped up on stage, because I just mm-hmm. I love that it is that other people know that yes, we are PTSD, um, you know, survivors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just need the community for, um, for us to be able to heal it, we can't just heal in isolation. So that's why I yep. do believe fireside chat is great. So thank you guys again. And Ashley, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you, Lori Lee. Here's hoping for uh, a healing better week for you. And I will be holding space for you and keeping you in my heart. Oh, thank you so much as everyone too, who's, who's struggling out there. It is, you know, it, these are some uncertain times. And so we just, we will, we'll figure it out together. All right. Well, that was Ashley Bernardi, wellness advocate and author of Authentic Power. Give yourself permission to feel. For more on Ashley, visit my website, atstpodcast.com. That's the letter atstpodcast.com. She also contributed to November's issue of Authentic Insider, which you can find on my website. That's www atstpodcast.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to my email list to get Authentic Insider Magazine in your inbox monthly today. Uh, February's issue just came out, so please check it out. And next week, we will be on a break. So, But you can catch us live again the following week on February 10th. I speak with Christina Vitagliano. She's the author of Every Nine Minutes, a memoir about her resilience after living with familia Familia Abuse. So don't miss that show live on Fireside. That's again, February 10th. It's going to be on a Thursday. Thanks again for being a part of the conversation. I'm Lori Lee Binstock. Take care.